Hello, hello, my friends, my family, my community, my tribe. Welcome to the Hippie Moms Podcast. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. You guys, the legendary Katie Kimball joins us again. This woman is so amazing. Uh, She's a TEDx talk speaker two times. Um, She created Kitchen Stewardship. She's one of the biggest uh, recipe and, you know, clean eating, real food eating uh, blogs ever, ever to be created. And what I love so much is how she brings honesty, realness, and just to one helps us realize that we're not alone in this journey of feeding our kids. You guys, it is so hard to feed our children. I mean, it's kind of insane. I struggle. I want you to know I struggle with just getting the kids to eat things that I know their body needs. But there comes a point, right? Um, pretty early in their in their childhood where we can no longer feed them. You know, we're not putting spoons in their mouth. They're putting spoons in their mouth. They're deciding what they eat. And so how we approach this food thing and how we feed our kids really is the precedent is set how we were fed, how food, how our relationship with food happened. And so what that's what we do. We just we do what we were taught and a lot of times we can't see it because it's so in the subconscious. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring some of these things to light and we're going to be have a lot of grace and compassion for this journey. And if you have a picky eater, I want you to know you are not alone, okay? Now, there's all levels of picky eating, all right? And I remember when I my kids were young, we were at a holiday party and my cousin who did not have kids back then was just like making fun of us of how picky our kids were. Oh, they don't want to eat salad. Oh, they don't like that, you know. I mean, no, they didn't like a lot of the things that were being served, right? A lot of the stuff I didn't serve all the time. It's different food. It's other people's food. And he would not let it go. And so, you know, I got irritated. But at the same time, he doesn't have kids. Well, let me tell you, years later, he has a child. And that child is extremely picky. And he comes back. After, you know, after moving through this experience himself, he goes, wow, I didn't realize how hard it was. And it's like, yeah, yeah, people can be so judgy. What was so beautiful is that he came around. We don't always get that closure and that, you know, that acknowledgement within the other person that's judging us, but it, it can feel heavy. And my goal really has been is making, helping you help yourself create a journey that is infused with passion, compassion, infused with grace, infused with, you know what? I am doing the best that I can with what I have. And we just move forward with baby steps if we want to move in a different direction. It's not about anything's nothing's wrong. Everything is exactly the way it should be showing us right? Everything in our life is for us. It's showing us. So if we have a picky eater and dinner time is stressful because it is for me too. It's a, one, there's always dinner. Why is there always dinner? It's like all the time. <laughs> it's all the time. Um, 
Yeah, it's just a lot. And we're up against a world that is fast, it's convenient, it's full of distractions, it's sugar and processed vegetable oils and artificial things that are just adding to our toxic burden. And sometimes it feels so like so much. So we take a breath, we give ourselves grace, we listen to this podcast. Katie has so many incredible insights, advice, strategies, just mindsets here. I mean, this is gold, you guys. I just love her. And if you have a picky eater, hey, check out her free five-day picking eating challenge. I mean, why wouldn't you want to get this information? It's not like you have to do anything. It comes to you. It comes to your email and you get to learn different strategies that you can implement and integrate. And you know what? I have integrated many strategies that Katie's shown me. And it's baby steps. It doesn't change overnight, but you just point your intention in a direction and that's the way you're going to go. And that's what we need to do together. So if you really want to, you know, make some shifts around dinner time, make it less stressful, help your kids uh, learn to eat and nourish themselves in a way that's not stressful. We're going to talk a lot about stress and picky eating then join this free five-day pick eating, eating challenge, okay? All right. All right. Let's, without further ado, let's get into it. This is so great. I'm so glad you're here. Let's, let's do this. Welcome back to the Hippie Moms podcast, my friends, and what a honor it is to have Katie Kimball back with us. Katie, thanks for being here. This is so fun. I love being a return guest because then we can just kind of chill and chat with people who already know me. Yeah, you know, um, it's so interesting because, you know, you are like the picky eating king, queen, when it comes to like helping parents and kids navigate this, this new thing. Cause there, I don't remember picky eating when I was young. Do you, Katie? Not like it is now. I mean, and a, and a lot of people will say that, um, especially really uninformed people who maybe don't have kids right now who are in their like judgy McJudgy pants. And they oh, go, yeah. yeah, this was never a thing. Like I was never a picky eater. No one I knew was a picky eater. I don't think there are picky eaters in developed countries. Like what is wrong with people, you know? And they're just right. super judgy, yeah. but there's so many reasons behind it beyond parenting has changed. Okay. Because yeah, I just remember what was served was served, but you know, that's that there wasn't anything else that that's just what it was. But I'll be honest, that's not how I've raised my kids. I'm like, Oh, you don't want that. You want something else. So I know how I've, I've played a part in the creation of my own kids picky eating, but I would, I would love to kind of explore what you're seeing and why you believe we're getting more picky um, as our children are growing. And you know, I mean, it's, it's common. I see it all the time. Yes, it's getting well. And so we're recording this like late 2023 in case people are listening to it, you know, years from now. And what we have seen is, is an increased uptick post pandemic. Right. And so we can start, we can start by talking about one of the reasons that kids might present as picky eaters. So it's, it's funny that everything, you know, I do is branded picky eating because I don't like that label. And we'll talk about that too. Um, but people, kids can present as picky eaters. They can present as, you know, very preference, sometimes because of stress. Mm. Because physiologically, what does stress do to the body? It shuts down the appetite. Eating is not important if you're in a life-threatening situation and our brains and our bodies don't know the difference between, you know, a, a person chasing us or the, you know, the saber-toothed tiger chasing us or whatever. And the fact that your parents are arguing at the table. Mm. Or the fact that you're asked to eat the pile of beans that you just 
don't like, right? Or the fact that your school was virtual for a year and your entire, you know, system was thrown off, right? Stress is stress is stress. We have one bucket. And when that stress goes up, the appetite goes down. Whether that stress is chronic stress from school situations, chronic stress from having been through a pandemic as a child, or stress that's actually like currently happening at the table. And that could even be, Becky, this is something that I don't think we as parents maybe understand or think about. But if we're having a conversation with our spouse or with another adult at the table about world situations, or we're, you know, we're stressed about maybe losing our job or finances, right? Like just things that adults talk about that may or may not hyper stress us out. You know, we're just having like our business conversations, so to speak, or our political conversations. If our tone of voice and if the affect on our face looks stressful, our kids without wanting to, without realizing they're doing it, will automatically take on that stress in their bodies. So there are some conversations that we should omit from the family dinner table and save for the adult conversations post bedtime. That is really great advice. And it's, yeah, so it's a big deal. So stress, increased stress in general. We, I mean, I don't think I have to explain that. We can all look around and go, yep, kids are more stressed now than they were in the eighties. Everybody is more stressed. Everybody. It's just, it's, you know, it's, yeah. And I, I agree with you and, and I never really put picky eating and stress together, but now it makes so much sense. It's one of those few areas in life that kids have control. Mm. right? They do not control how much homework they have, when it's due, which kids are treating them, which ways they don't control their bedtime, although they try, right? So what goes in their mouths, what they chew and what they swallow is something that as parents, we cannot physically control, at least not in any semblance of a respectful way. Right. And so when kids are stressed, they they want to take control of their lives back. It's It's just one of the few areas they have. So it definitely shows up in picky eating. And, um, and I know you talk a lot about environmental stressors, environmental toxins, and just all the crud that's getting thrown right at our bodies through the food, the water, the air, the, the personal products on our skin, right? We're immersed in, again, far more toxins than we were in the seventies or the eighties or the nineties or whenever your listeners were children. And that causes a big deal, right? We have one bucket of stress, we have one bucket of a body, <laughs> right? Totally. And so, so when our body is stressed out, whether that's undiagnosed food allergies, whether it is those environmental toxins, whether it's all those like underlying, right? Viruses, mold, parasites, there's so many things that I know you've talked about with other guests. If one or more of those problems is rearing its head in our child's body, it can present as a sensory sensitivity. For example, right? Like my body is physiologically stressed out. And so I'm going to be that kid who notices the scratchy tags, right? Mm -hmm. Who needs the weighted blanket, who gets super overwhelmed in loud situations. You know, the the kid for whom like lots of busy things to look at would Mm -hmm. just shut the child down. Like they wouldn't be able to test well, for example, or communicate well. So our, our five senses again, our inputs into this one body. And if we have a child who's sensory sensitive, whose senses are like running a little high is kind of how the easy way to explain it, right? Maybe just running a little higher than than our understanding. A lot of adults are sensory sensitive too. I can remember a conversation I was having with a friend and this is going to seem so silly, but it's a good example of sensory sensitivity in, in an adult. 
And we were talking about granite countertops. And she said, oh, I just love the sound of a, of a wine glass touching, like hitting that granite countertop. It makes me feel, it, it gives me like that kind of like posh, I'm at a party feeling. And I was like, whoa, it drives me crazy to hear anything, any like glass or ceramic hitting like the granite countertop, because to me, it's grating. It's so loud. I'm, I have a little bit of a sound sensitivity. It's nothing, no big deal, yeah. but it's there. And I didn't realize how much it was there until that conversation that she was like, it was a delight to her and it was grating to me. And so when we think about our kids, like most likely, regardless of how your senses interpret the world, your kids' senses interpret them differently. We don't know in what direction and in what magnitude, right? But if their senses are being overwhelmed and then they're sitting at the table and they have to use all of their senses. In fact, eating is one of two things that humans do that use all eight of our senses. There aren't just the normal five. Um, there's things like proprioceptive and like your sense of balance and your sense of like stability in the world. Eating uses all eight of them. The only other thing is sex. <laughs> and we don't have to worry about that with kids. Yay. <laughs> But again, if your senses are, yeah, yeah. If your senses are super stimulated and then you're trying to engage with food, it just doesn't always work, yeah. right? It might have nothing to do with the cauliflower or the broccoli on the plate and wow. everything to do with the child and how they're sensing the world. Oh, I mean, I, I, it makes so much sense now, you know, so so it would make the most sense if we started to create less stressful environments. Is that, is that what we're, I mean, that looks like what, where we need to go. If we want to help everyone eat better and um, stop being so crazy, we need to manage our stress. For sure. My guess would be that that would not be bad advice for any family, <laughs> right? Like that is very safe advice. Reduce the stress, particularly at the table. Mm. Um, and this, this kind of leads me to another big pendulum shift. It's, it's amazing really how many reasons the increase in picky eating has. Um, I would say though, before I jump into the pendulum is yeah. yes, reduce your stress. But the, the biggest step that I encourage all parents to take is to put our detective hats on and see if you can figure out what might be going on in the child's body. You know, is it stress? Is that a, a primary or a, a driving factor? Is it a sensory sensitivity? Is it an undiagnosed food allergy where they just have a low level of yuck of pain kind of all the time? Because especially if you're sensitive to something like gluten or dairy, that's in every meal, right? Mm -hmm. So the kid doesn't even have the chance to say, oh, I feel cruddy on pizza day. It's just cruddy. But like I feel it's every day, right? So there are, there are tons and tons and tons of kids walking around with undiagnosed food sensitivities that are just kind of like, it's like subconsciously their body's saying, mm, like, this probably isn't good for you, but they can't articulate that. Yeah. They don't know. They're just like, they've just realized that like food is maybe doesn't feel like their friend. Um, but when I think about stress at the table and, and again, a pendulum shift that has happened since let's say even back to the fifties, fifties through the eighties is yes, you said we ate what was given and that was our only choice, Yeah, which is fine. But for some families that also included the clean plate club. What, what's that? Right. That you have to clean your plate before you leave the oh, table. The oh, yes. Yes. Not the Mickey Mouse Club, the clean plate club. So I think far too many parents, right? Like we've made, we've made some really good progress in parenting skills. The pendulum has swung a little bit too far to like very permissive parenting or very helicopter parenting. 
But one thing that it's good we got rid of was that clean plate club idea where you must finish every bite on your plate before you leave this table, right? That parenting style promotes disordered eating. It promotes not listening to your feelings of hunger and satiety, right? Like, so we have a lot of, I think, people in our generation who have a really funky mixed up relationship with food. Yeah. (laughs) Partly because of those rules. So glory, hallelujah. Good thing that we have gotten rid of that. Yeah, for sure. That we've shifted, right? However, did, did we swing a little too far? Because when we, when we do things like short order cooking, right, which our culture makes so easy, the food marketers saw an opportunity, they grabbed it, they went full speed ahead, right? It's super easy to give kids kid friendly food. And I do that in big air quotes because I hate that phrase with a passion. The kids menu, they don't need their own menu. Maybe smaller portions, but they like, chicken fingers, spaghetti, like just all the crap stuff that, yeah, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. I totally agree. Right. We go to a restaurant, we got our kids menu. You go to the grocery store, you've got your easy Mac. You got your chicken nuggets, your, all the frozen stuff. So it's far too easy for, for parents who are well-intentioned, but exhausted to just say, it's exhausting. Yeah. To just say, I'm going to make a separate meal. Okay. Let me be clear. Short order cooking does not create picky eaters. And in fact, research shows that parenting styles do not create picky eaters. They almost always, picky eaters have something going on in their own body, right? Or in their own brains, their own like stress level, et cetera. That's the catalyst. What, What does happen though, is when kids start to act a little preference, when they push back against the food we're serving them, it is probably true that if parents go, oh, okay, well, we'll just do mac and cheese. We'll just do chicken nuggets. We'll just do French fries. That that can like exacerbate the problem, yeah. you know, and kind of let that snowball effect keep rolling. What happens in a child's brain when parents short order cook, it actually creates an unsettling feeling and an anxious feeling. I know it's, but check this out. Okay. Here's how this works. Okay. Imagine if you are getting on a plane and you're flying from New Mexico to Michigan to visit me. And you, you buckle in and you hear the voice of the pilot saying, you know, welcome, we're going to fly to Michigan today. I'd like to take a vote. How high should do you think I should fly? Mm. And could I, could I have some people come up here and tell me also maybe how fast we should fly and what route we should take? Becky, yeah. would you be trying to get off that plane? As soon I would as be getting off the plane for sure. Yes, that makes so much sense though. Because you're like, the pilot needs to know what he or she is doing. Yeah. This is not my job. Right. And so in in a weird sort of subverted way, when we short order cook for kids, we are saying with our actions, it's your choice what you eat. What do you want? And some parents actually say it with their words too. Well, what do you want to eat? Just tell me, just tell me I'll do it. Or you can go make yourself some food. Right. But, but children are, they're minors. They have undeveloped brains. They do not have the wisdom that we are supposed to have as adults with fully developed post 25 year old brains. Right. And so for us to say to them, we're going to give you this really big decision on how to nourish your body for your life. It's too big. big. It's too big. So it's fine to say, do you want broccoli or cauliflower as the side vegetable? Right. There, there's some boundaries there. Mm -hmm. That's very different. That is not letting the child pilot the plane. Anytime we're really letting the child pilot the plane, what do you want to eat? Or I'll just, I'll make, I'll, I'm, I'm clearly making what you want. So I don't, didn't even ask, right? I'm letting you pilot the plane. It actually creates feelings of unsettlement and anxiety 
because kids aren't quite sure where those boundaries are. One of our biggest parental jobs, and I'm sure you know this, is to create that structure to create those boundaries. Because one of the biggest child jobs is to figure out where the boundaries are. And the only way they can do that is to test. They test. What if I say this? Will I get away with it? What if I try this? What if I call my mother this name, right? What kind of rise am I going to get? What kind of limits am I going to get? They have to push. And then when we build the limits, they're like, oh, okay. Again, not conscious. Right. This is all kind of a like you know, below consciousness thing, yeah. but they need, they need to know that they have some limits so that they feel safe and they don't mm-hmm. feel out of control. They need to know that we are keeping them safe by giving them limits. No kid says I like rules. Yeah. <laughs> but any kid who's grown up without rules and without limits feels unloved. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that's-, so that's a big deal. So don't, short order cooking has got to be out the window yeah. because it actually creates a higher stress environment. Wow. I mean, it really is. I mean, we're really trying to make our way into the middle, into mm-hmm. that like middle ground. So what, what does that look like? I mean, for moms that have picky eaters that are short order cooking, like what are some little steps that we can do to start kind of getting, uh, the, the boundaries in place and to start like really creating more harm, um, harmony around the kitchen. And when we eat, cause that's, we all want that so much. <laughs> it's so true. So true. Um, and a couple times a year I do a no more picky eating challenge. So I walk parents through step-by-step step, and my favorite statistic is not how many kids tried a new food. Like that one's exciting and it's flashy and it gets people's attention, but it's thousand percent, not my goal. My goal is what percent of parents feel less stressed at the table and what percent of kids feel less stressed at the table. So for a picky eating challenge, it's 85% of our participants who actually take some actions, feel less stressed at the table in five days, five days. So we'll make sure that we, you know, let your people know like where to find the next one. Um, But step one, step one for parents is to dismantle some of our own thinking. Okay. This is, again, it's not the flashy, sexy one, but it's really important. Okay. Um, no, we want, we want the truth. We are, we're, we're, yes. Katie. <laughs> and, and I got to say literally two days ago, my youngest is nine years old and I had served a meal where he did not like the main course. We were having chicken wings. It was supposed to be fun. We were watching a movie <laughs> and he just doesn't like chicken with the bones in it, whatever. But he so we had one on his plate and I was helping him take his plate upstairs. I didn't want him carrying ketchup over carpet. No. Real life, right? I'm like, I'll yeah. carry your plate. And I'm like, oh, you have like this little chicken wing here. Can I eat it? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I knew mom that you would want me to take a taste, but I, I knew I didn't like it. Oh. And I thought that's interesting. Like I didn't have to tell him that that's a structure in our household. Mm-hmm. And then 10 minutes later, he says in this really concerned little nine-year-old boy voice, mom, am I a picky eater? And I know I was like, oh, my heart just broke. And I, and I felt like, you know how you pull out sometimes and feel like this is a really important moment. Yeah. I better get this answer right. Like, luckily this is what I teach people, right? On. And so what I told him, I said, well, I said, well, do you, are you willing to try new foods sometimes? And this was only sort of helpful. He was like, um, yeah, sometimes it's not true. He tries new food all the time. So I thought that was a a good entry. And then I just had to say, you know what? Really? There aren't any picky eaters. Nobody's a picky eater. Every kid is just learning to eat. Some of us do it faster. Some Mm -hmm. of us do it slower. Every kid learns to eat and we all have stuff we don't like and, and do like. And so that's, 
That's exactly what I teach parents is that we have got to remove the label of a picky eater. Imagine if your kid heard you say once or twice a week to someone else, even you're that I have a picky eater, right? They're going to wear that badge. Yeah. That becomes their identity. Like they're now, that's who I am. Yeah. We have to be so careful about that, Mm -hmm. those labels, because they really do stick. They do. So I, I love the growth mindset that Carol Dweck talks about, like in her TEDx talk. And, and so we think, what is the growth mindset on a picky eater? Well, that's exactly the phrase is you are learning to eat, mm. right? I'm still learning to make friends with my food. Um, my taste buds are still growing up. Yeah. Oh, that's phrase. Okay. yeah so we really want to empower both that we have to dismantle our current mindset mm-hmm. that our kid is a picky eater, that they will always be a picky eater. They'll never eat a vegetable, right? Like we tell these lies to ourselves because they're, we're scared. We want our kids to be healthy. And when when they're not eating well, we're like kind of in a freak out mode. So Mm -hmm. it's really important to dismantle that relabel your kids are learning to eat. Maybe their preference, maybe they're more preference than other people, but it's really easy to see like every single one of us has foods we don't like. Mm, Right. Yes. It's so true. And I love that. It's really about softening around everything a little bit because the more we identify them as picky, the more then we start to create that in our own energy field and treating them that way. And then it becomes this thing. And man, it's just, I really do believe what moms really want. It's just a peaceful dinner, an easy, peaceful dinner. <laughs> yes. And so, and we think a lot of us think that by giving kids food that they like, we will yeah. achieve the easy, peaceful dinner. Oh, that makes right? sense. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it might in the short term. Right. But like, I'm, I'm planning to, you know, keep all my kids until they're at least 18 and I've got an 18 year old. I'm still hanging on to him for a minute here. Uh, <laughs> we like having them around. I want to play the long game. Yeah. I want, I want all your listeners to play the long game and do what's best for your children into adulthood. Right. Yeah. And so what's best is to, to continue learning to eat. Mm-hmm. We, we got to give them the playing field on which to learn to eat. Like we would never leave our training wheels on our kid's bike when they're like eight and nine and 10 and 12. Right. So, exactly. so the mac and cheese, the chicken nuggets, the training wheels have to come off. Right. Um, and so here's, here's the key at the table. And I didn't create this. Um, Ellen Satter is the originator of the division of responsibility. Okay. I don't know if your readers will, you know, have heard of this or not, but it is, it is critical to a peaceful dinner table. And it right. comes back to when I talked about control, we cannot control what our kids chew and what they swallow. Mm-hmm. So every time we say you have to finish or even you just have to take one bite, like that feels like the softening, doesn't it? Oh, you just have to take one bite. Just try one bite. You might like it. Yeah. You had three bites of broccoli before you can have your dessert. Also feels like more gentle. We're giving the kids something they want. All of these things, though, are not a winning situation. Like we literally couldn't follow through. If the kid said no, what are you going to do? I know, exactly. You're, you still, know? you're still looking at dessert. <laughs> well, you can always withhold, you can always withhold dessert. That's- that like has another problem. But if the kid says no, I will not take a taste. All right, can you imagine any respectful parent putting a bite in their child's mouth? Like, oh, yeah. we're like we can't. So if you can't follow through, it's kind of parenting 101. If you can't yeah. follow through, don't say it. Yeah, so <laughs> right? true. Oh my gosh. Number one. Yes. So that's where Ellen Satter created the division of responsibility of what are the rules of the parent? What are the rules of the child or the parent being any adult, right? What are the rules of the adult with the rules of the child? And it's not nothing that's constructed. It's just something that's observed. Mm. If we cannot 
force the chewing and swallowing. Well, therefore, it is in the child's role to decide whether they eat and how much they eat. Mm. Not our jobs. That feels, that feels pretty good, actually, to be able mm-hmm. to kind of release all of that, what we think is control that isn't. It's just threatening and it's just creating more stress for the parent and the child. Yep. It's absolutely, it should be absolutely a weight off your shoulders mm-hmm. because again, it's literally just a truth. The child, those are the two, the only two child's mm-hmm. roles at the table. They choose whether they eat at all. They choose how much they eat. What's cool is when we think about what our roles are, what can we actually control? Well, we can control when food is eaten, mm-hmm. right? Because we control the pocketbook. <laughs> we, we, we're in charge of, you know, the kitchen and our kids' behaviors. We control where food is eaten, mm-hmm. which I'm a big fan of the family dinner at a table, hint, mm-hmm. hint. And we control what is served, mm-hmm. right? And obviously that's the big one. That's the like, oh my gosh, I got a meal plan. I got to figure out what to serve that maybe somebody will eat. But the thing is, you can serve anything. You can serve salmon and broccoli, And none of your kids like salmon and broccoli. And guess what? You enjoy your salmon and broccoli. And they sit there and say, no, I don't want to eat. And you say, well, all right. Time is controlled by the parent. The next eating opportunity is bedtime snack two hours from now. Or the next eating opportunity is tomorrow morning Mm -hmm. at breakfast. And if you really, you know, understand the division of responsibility, it's far less stressful. And it gives you a lot of phrases you can say like that. Now, most parents probably wouldn't create a full meal that none of their kids would eat, right? But what you could do is have the salmon as a main course Mm -hmm. and then have a side dish that you know at least child A will eat and then have a starchy side that you know child B will eat. Mm -hmm. Everybody at least has something. You have not short order cooked. You're showing family unity of eating together Mm -hmm. and you can say, that's okay. You don't have to. I, I salmon. The salmon is gross. I can't believe you made the fish, you know, right? The kids. And you just say, but that's okay. You don't have to eat it. Yeah. Very freeing. That is so freeing because it does feel like we have to just like micromanage everything. And it's not the truth. We can just take a deep breath and doing our best is creating a meal that's for the family and no more short order cooking. Oh my goodness. That is just feels so good. So as we move on this, like, of course I want to ask like, how long will this take? (laughs) When will I see the results, Katie? But that's a really good question. And it's probably faster than most people think. I I find that even with pretty ingrained habits, right? Let's say you're coming out of short order cooking or you're coming out of like three bites of broccoli for dessert, for example, these are some pretty ingrained habits, but most of the time I find that any shift in parenting takes about three to five days. But you have to be super consistent. You cannot budge, right? And it's not that, again, it's not a threatening voice at all. It's it's okay. You don't have to eat that. Um, Before, now I would say three to five days before the pushing back stops, before Mm -hmm. the actual, like the literal fits stop. Some of our kids are the more highly sensitive are more likely to take a little bit longer. Um, what, What can take longer though is unraveling in the kids, the sense of I'm going to be made to eat something. Right. If they've had hundreds of dinners, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to get to hundreds of dinners in a child's life. They've had hundreds of dinners where they've been asked, 
please take one bite. I want you to have a bite or you have to finish your peas or blah, 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 right? Well-intentioned things. Parents, no no guilt if those are words that have come out of your mouth. They came out of my mouth too before before I knew better. Today is just a new day. Um, day. But it, it does take kids a while for kind of their brains and bodies to release the feeling that they'll have to eat, to believe you. Mm. You know, they have to see consistency and it may take a few weeks for some kids, if even a few months, but not usually that is not typical where they finally realize, oh my goodness, I'm actually not going to be forced to eat. I actually have agency. And, uh, I did in college, I did my honors senior thesis on agency and children's literacy, how having choices in what you read and when you read and how you read actually improves how fast you learn to read. Yeah. It's it's the same. It's the same in food when kids have some choices. And again, not flying the plane, not I want only mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, but they have choices in whether they eat, how much they eat, maybe how much they serve themselves on the plate, even as young as like six or four, right? We can create an environment where they can serve themselves. Um, When they have a little bit of that agency, it goes a long way. Kids have so little they can control. I know. I know. It's an important perspective to have. Mm -hmm. And I've heard parents say, you know, after doing our no more picky eating challenge, for example, they'll say, you know, I can tell that my kids really like having choices. They really like having control or like, especially with our our younger ones, like 10 and under, they love it if they've never been able to serve themselves. Yeah. And suddenly they can, it changes the game. In fact, I'm remembering one mom um, this is years and years ago before I even had a challenge, but I taught some of these same uh, routines. She said, you know, I have a two-year-old who wants to be in control of everything. And one of the phrases that I teach parents to teach their kids, because again, when the kids are like, this is horrible, it's gross, I'm not going to eat it. You know, those are really like hot button pushing phrases for parents. So we got to give our kids some phrases. So I tell parents to teach their kids to say, no, it's not my favorite is one of them, you know, or like, I don't care for this yet. Just some really like polite things to say. Yeah. And so this mom, Erin said every day, her two-year-old says, it's not my favorite about something. And then the parents say, oh. and half an hour later, they look over and guess where the not my favorite food has gone. Wow. It's been eaten because all the child wanted was control to be able to say, not my favorite. receive no pushback, receive, okay, no problem. You don't have to eat it. So many kids begin to eat things. And again, the younger they are, the more pliable they are. So it'll take less time, Mm -hmm. less time. If you've got a two or a five-year-old, than if you have a 10 or a 12-year-old, who's like, you know, the pathways and the routines and habits are a little bit more Mm -hmm. set. It takes longer for them to believe you. Um, But it's incredible to see how kids can literally have a better relationship with their food when we get out of their way. Oh my gosh, that's what we all want. Because I know many of us have struggled with our relationship with food because of the way we were raised and our parents were raised. And so really what I see what's happening here, Katie, is you're helping us break the cycle of creating these toxic relationships with our food. Like this is what sustains us and nourishes us. So I, I feel this. And I'm really excited about this picky eating challenge. So it's a five-day challenge. We talk a little bit about it so moms can understand what it is. And it's free, right? Yes. yes. Yep, definitely. It's free. We usually have a few thousand moms and dads and grandmas and teachers and aunties who, you know, love their nieces and nephews. It's so fun. Um, and what I do is walk through one simple action step per day. So we've, we in a, some ways, we've already started on day four, which is to keep a poker face. 
Mm. And, you know, that's where kind of that division of responsibility comes in and just not allowing our stress or our frustration to show at the table. Um, so in the five-day challenge, we actually start out with some pre-challenge homework where we talk about what is a true picky eater? What mm-hmm. is a problem feeder, which are our really, really extreme kids who for sure need professional help, right? Like what, what we do together in the challenge is helpful, but they'll, they will need more because there's something big going on. And then the picky phasers, the kids who are just being kids who are just looking, where are my boundaries? And yeah. they won't stay there long unless we parents keep them there. Um, so we identify the, the difference between those three labels. And then we tuck the labels away and don't say them out loud in front of our kids, right? Yeah. Um, day one, we dial in on snacks and how those impact the dinner. Day two, we talk about how to start the dinner. It's called, so it's prepare the space with snack time, lead with your ace mm. or how to start the dinner, um, set the pace, which is how to enter into dinner. Keeping that poker face mm-hmm. is day four and day five is all about, it's called give them grace. And it's all about how much grace we need when we're starting new routines as parents and how much grace our, our preferenced eaters need as they're trying to make friends with their food. And of course we touch very briefly on dessert that day, way in day five, because dessert's like a really difficult topic for parents. Yeah, it really is. I know. Oh, wow. Katie, thank you. You are really helping us because I know I struggle. I know that other moms are struggling and we just... I think all we need is we need to have a path set out for us, you know, and just say, do this, do this, be consistent, poker face, go for it. Boom. Magic happens. Yeah, it it really is. Like you said, it's a weight lifted off the shoulders when you understand that we don't have to require our kids to eat. And it's harmful when we do. It's massive, massive shift. So yeah, if you're, if you're walking away from this, realize that if your kid feels like he or she's a picky eater, there's something going on inside them and it's worth a little more education to learn about chewing and swallowing and senses and all that stuff. Um, And also that it's okay to step back. And in fact, it's necessary to step back that the division of responsibility says you choose when they eat, where they eat and what they eat, Mm -hmm. right? Which means don't let them dictate short order cooking. They choose whether they eat and how much. And that can be, it's like a little scary at times, but Every parent who has implemented that has said, I, you know, I was nervous about letting go of control, but I love it now. I'm ready. I know these moms are ready because you can't control anything. All you can do is, is, is set yourself up, set your kids up and just, you know, just stay strong, stay consistent. Um, ah, you know, what, what would we do without other mothers helping us through this journey? I don't know. It's so true. We we need each other. We need to hear each other's stories and we need to to learn from, you know, people who have walked the road ahead of us. I'm I'm definitely not saying that my kids eat perfectly, but I think they're pretty open to trying new things and we eat a lot of vegetables, so we're we're hanging in there. We're doing okay. I love that. And you know, and it is it's it's not about being perfect. We have to really like wipe that off the face of the earth. There is no perfect. We're looking for progress. We're looking for more ease. We're looking for more joy. And in order to do this, we have to take these steps, especially around dinner time, because dinner time can really rule my rule my world sometimes. You know, it's always dinner time, it feels. <laughs> every day. Why are they hungry every day? <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah, it can be it can be stressful for moms, and that's why we need these messages, right? Like somehow we have to like put the big girl pants on. <laughs> 
<laughs> and say, yes, you are having a rough day, but suck that up until after bedtime, just for a minute, right? Like, yes, we got to take care of ourselves, but we got to take care of the little humans in front of us first, put them to bed, and then we can release what's going on inside us. Exactly. And we need to, we need yeah. to create that space for us. But yeah, kids, they're, they're always there, <laughs> well, you know, and they're, they're, they, they need us. They need us so much and, and they don't come with manuals and you know, it's so hard. We don't really know what the heck we're doing most of the time. So that's why it's so important to connect with mothers and, 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 and people like you, Katie, that are really helping change those dynamics in the family. So thank you so much for bringing your message to hippie moms. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity. I hope it was helpful. I can't wait to hear like the golden nuggets that people learned. Yeah, there's always so many, I feel like, in these conversations with you. And I'm going to make sure that we put the picky eating challenge that is um, that is happening really soon. you got to make sure you sign up. I'll put that in the show notes so nobody misses it. All right. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And we'll catch you on the next Hippie Moms podcast. Bye. Kitchen Stewardship, two times.